All right. Who remembers what we talked about last week? Holy Spirit. Finally, somebody remembered. So we began looking at who the Holy Spirit is scripturally, what the role of the Holy Spirit is, and how the Holy Spirit should show up in our lives. We began that journey. I honestly thought this was going to be a one-week thing. But last week it sort of turned into at least a two-week thing, and this week it's turning at least into a three-week thing. Okay? So I don't know how far we're going to go. I'm going to go until God says stop to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, says stop. So this is huge for us to understand. We have to understand this scripturally, not what man or denomination is taught, right? The week before that, we talked about our moral compass, and the Holy Spirit is one of the key pieces of our moral compass. So if we don't understand the Holy Spirit, our compass starts off wrong. And we never get where we're supposed to be, right? So this week, Wendy and I bought a piece of furniture. My wife is really good about finding the ugliest piece of furniture you can possibly find on Craigslist or OfferUp or Facebook and then sending me to the middle of nowhere to meet complete strangers. I have to carry a gun because I don't know where I'm going and what they're going to be like and where their moral compass is. So anyway, on Friday, we go meet this guy, and she goes with me. Usually I get sent by myself. She goes with me, and we start talking to him. And everywhere we go, we try to talk to them about the Lord. We try to witness. We try to engage them. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. This gentleman told us that he was walking away from a lifelong denomination, not from Jesus, but he's walking away from a lifelong denomination. Why? By the way, I'm not going to say the denomination, but there are over 7 million people members. And we don't really look at membership anymore, so there's probably many more than 7 million that go to their churches every week. And he said they've been influenced so much by society. They've embraced what I'm calling society's shifted needle. And he used the word, in a, or the word they shifted their needle to become woke. This is a denomination, a whole denomination that most of y'all know what it is. Some of us grew up in it. There's a little hint. Starts with an M, ends with a dist. But I'm not going to say it. (laughs) He's walking away from a whole denomination because they're embracing what society is changing the needle to be. They're not just being influenced, they're embracing it. And he said, I'm done. I'm walking away. I don't want to be a part of church anymore. That's why this is important. That's what Satan wants, and that's why this is super important. Just to be clear, I have zero desire to be woke. Do you get that? But I have a huge desire that my needle is pointing in the right direction, and yours is no matter how unwoke it is. If it's unpopular, I don't care. It's important that we understand our needle and get it pointing in the right direction, okay? It's critical for us to understand in this day and time. But we've got to understand what Scripture says so we don't woke ourselves straight out of eternal life with Jesus, right? So last week we talked about two extremes that most of us grew up, grew up in, but I got a little surprised. There was a third option I hadn't thought about. Option one was, I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit then, that's all I need. And I said, how many grew up? And I got, a, you know, like a third of the hands went up. Extreme two was, if you don't speak in tongues as evidence, you never got the Holy Spirit. And I got like another third of hands. And then I started trying to get on to people because they didn't raise their hands and found out that about a third of you just were never taught. And that blew me away because I was expecting one stream or extreme or the other, and I didn't realize how, much of, how many of us just never were taught anything. That's why I think this thing will go past two weeks, because God showed me we've got to dig into this. We talked about that both of those extremes were partially correct. Both of them were partially wrong. We covered when the Holy Spirit appears on the scene in the Bible. We talked about the difference between who got the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament versus who gets it in the New Testament. We talked about 
part of the role of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to be expounding on each week. We talked about the Holy Spirit coming to them on Pentecost. We talked a lot about Extreme One. We covered some very black and white scriptures. And if you missed last week, I'm begging you to go back and listen to it. It's very important to understanding the whole picture of this. Extreme One says Jesus healed. Yes, we're okay with that. Jesus healed. He cast out demons. He performed miracles. Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost. But that power was only needed for that day of Pentecost only. That's our extreme one. Just just getting your mind back around this. We don't need that now in our church. We don't need that power. It was done for that season of early believers. And that is very incomplete and very wrong theology. Then we detailed out that there are two different types of baptisms discussed. Scripturally, there's water by baptism. I mean, (laughs) baptism by water. (laughs) (laughs) Baptism by water. Thank you. I'm like our president. You got to correct me every once in a while. I might say something totally off. (laughs) There's baptism by water immersion. Then there's baptism by the Holy Spirit. Two different things talked about. We talk about baptism, but there's two different baptisms. And we went through those scriptures. That's why I'm saying if you missed it, please go back and listen to it. I can't read detail all that out today. I gave you three examples of when the Holy Spirit was given in a powerful way to believers after Pentecost. So we shot down that theory of it happened for Pentecost only. One of those examples was 20 years after Pentecost. And common people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Way past when extreme one thinks they needed it. Jesus said in Acts 1-5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. Two different baptisms. Ooh, it's where it gets weird. When they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They spoke in tongues. It just got weird. There was so much more, and I'm not trying to reteach last week. I'm just trying to get your brain back in that train of thought, okay? I recognize that sometimes we have busy weeks, and we forget what was talked about the week before, and I want to get everybody back in that train of thought. All right, does anybody remember our theme for this year? Parker. McCall. Got to get off the milk. Paul said get off the milk. Get on the solid food. These discussions are solid food, okay? It may be hard to digest it, but it's good, healthy, solid food. So last week was black and white. It was very black and white. This week we're going to start off in a little bit of a black and white and gray area. And then we're going to get some more black and white, but we're going to do a little bit of gray. Okay, you guys ready for that? So at the end of last week, John, it was like he knew where the sermon was going, John asked a question. Does anybody remember that question? He said, when did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit? Great question, John. The answer to that question, and we're going to show the scripture in a minute, is when he got baptized in water by John, the Holy Spirit descended on him. Okay? So, This is where I'm going to jump into just a little bit of gray area because I'm going to kind of start off today saying, when do we receive the Holy Spirit? When do we get the Holy Spirit? And the reason I want to call this a little gray area, because I'm going to be very clear to you what I can prove black and white in Scripture and what's just a little bit gray that I'm interpreting. There's three Scriptures that I'm going to reference that describe receiving the Holy Spirit And the best way I can describe it, these are Jason's words, not Scripture, is that you get a little bit more each time. Okay? You with me? You get a little bit more Holy Spirit each time. I'm going to prove this to you. In Ephesians 1.13, that's our first Scripture, Ephesians 1.13, Paul says, you've got to remember, Jesus was for the Jews. And up until this point, The Jews didn't think the Gentiles deserved Jesus. But Paul says in Ephesians 1.13, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God God saves you. And when you believed in Jesus, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. When you believed in Jesus, 
you got the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to call that, for my sake of argument, dose number one. Okay? Just bear with me before you judge me on my gray areas. But then we go into Acts 2, 38, and Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And he's talking about water baptism at this point. For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's an added dimension here. Peter says, repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized in water, John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit descend onto him. Okay, we're going back to John 1, 32. Then, Jesus test- then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I did not know that he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. So I'm calling dose number one of the Holy Spirit clearly what Paul talks about in Ephesians 1. When you believe, when you believe you receive the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to call, and, and I'm gonna, that's black and white, but I'm going to call dose number two when you are water baptized. It's a little grayer, I admit. But we know that's when it happened for Jesus, who was going to go on and give it to others. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's a little gray. I didn't say I'm going out there too far on a limb. Say it's a little gray. Just bear with me. So dose one is when you believed. I'm going to say dose number two, when you get water baptized. Okay? I mean, did Paul assume in Ephesians 1 that when you believed you were water baptized? Because it's possible he assumed that. When you believe you get baptized because maybe that's just what they did. So maybe these are one and the same. But I, I just think maybe Paul would have pointed that out if that was an important piece of the process. So it's kind of like two different processes. When you Gentiles believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. When you repent and get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins in water, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like I got a little bit, now I'm getting a little bit more. All right? A little gray there. I admit it. I've said it from the beginning. You want to get back to black and white? Third dose or second dose if you don't like my gray area. This is from a scripture we covered last week, Acts chapter 19. It says, Paul traveled, okay, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. So they were believers. That means they, according to Paul's Ephesian scripture, already had the Holy Spirit. Okay, got me? He found believers, but then he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why would he ask him that? Why would he say, you're believers? You got the Holy Spirit. I already told you that in Ephesians. So why would he ask them here if they received the Holy Spirit? No, they reply. We haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. Paul says, what baptism do you experience? Water baptism. Oh, again, we're back to there's two baptisms. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. So water baptism is all about repentance from sin and having that washed away. You're immersed Water flows and cleans you. That's the symbolism. But he says, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, they already believed. They'd already been baptized in water. Now they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. We covered this last week. It says, then when Paul laid his hands on them, key words when he laid his hands on them, The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Bless you. So Paul says, receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit when you believe. When you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit living in you. Okay? I believe that Scripture is showing us that something else happens when we're water baptized. A little more dose of the Holy Spirit. But this scripture is very clear that when they were baptized by the laying of hands in the Holy Spirit, they received 
more power. Okay, we're going to hang on to that word because we're going to come back. So I'm calling that dose one is believe. Dose two is water baptism. Dose three is baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you guys with me so far? See, extreme one says when you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. Correct. That's correct. There's nothing wrong with that. That is correct. That is scriptural. Extreme two says when you receive the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues, and that's where we're partially correct, and we're going to come back to that. Because remember, I told you both extremes were part right and part wrong. The gray area here that I want to just come back to again is, is there that second dose when you get baptized? I believe you do. That's my belief. The other two are scriptural facts. So here's where extreme two gets it wrong. They say, if you don't speak in tongues, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Some of you grew up hearing that, right? Right, Jennifer? I know you. Okay, that's, that's clearly not true because that conflicts with Ephesians 1.13. So it's just not true. That is not true. Speaking in tongues is evidence of receiving, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So if you don't speak in tongues, it doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's living in you, but you don't have the full power of the Holy Spirit is maybe a better way to say it. All right, so I'm going to give an analogy. Jesus talked in analogies, okay? Don't judge me for this one. God gave it to me. At least I think the Holy Spirit gave it to me. Here's my analogy, okay? I'm going to ask you guys to do some things. I'm going to ask you to do three things. And for each of the three things you do, I'm going to give you a present, okay? You with me? This is a fictitious analogy. I'm not going to give you what I'm about to put on the screen, okay? So if you believe in Jesus, I'm going to give you this nugget of gold. It's valuable, right? Who doesn't want the gold? Does anybody not want it? So just believe in Jesus. I'm going to give you gold. Okay? It's valuable. It's gold. But now I want you to get water baptized. Oh, I messed up. When you get water baptized, I'm going to give you some more gold. You might be satisfied with your one piece. But most of us would say, okay, I'll do step two. Give me a little bit more. There's a few more nuggets in here. Okay? But now I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit by the laying of hands, and you get a whole not working technology gold truck dump load of gold. Which do you want? Do you want a nugget? Do you want a couple more nuggets? Or do you want all this? Because I want all of it. And if you don't want your nuggets or your truckload, bring it to my house. I'll take it. John said the blessings are there. If we don't take them, somebody else will. I want your gold. Not really your gold. I'll take your Holy Spirit power if you don't want it. So the question is, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with just that one nugget? Are you satisfied with just a couple of nuggets? You want the whole truckload, right? Now, I'm... I'm I'm asking a serious question. If this were gold, this is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I want as much as I can get. So why wouldn't we do the all three to get all the Holy Spirit we can get? Why wouldn't it be the same? Believe and you get a nugget of the Holy Spirit. Get water baptized because it's a commandment and you get some more nuggets. Get baptized by the laying of hands in the Holy Spirit and you got a truckload of power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Thank you. The Holy Spirit's power is way more, way more valuable than gold. That's right. That's right. I want all three. I don't want any gold. I want to be clear. I want all the Holy Spirit I can get. Here's what's sad. If you've never been taught there was another level, some still don't want it. Maybe I'm wrong about that second dose. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm right about the Holy Spirit dwelling in you when you believe. And I know without a shadow of a doubt 
that you get this dunamis, dynamite power when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you believe, you get some cool things. You get the advocate. Remember what the advocate was last week? It's your defense lawyer. The advocate's the one going to God saying, no, Jason doesn't deserve all the hell because he believes in Jesus. I know Satan's accusing. He's our defense attorney. You get the comfort. You get peace. You get conviction when you sin. You get teaching. You know, you get a lot of cool things in that first dose. It's got value. It steers you. But you get so much more if you keep going. Still don't believe me there are two separate doses? Any, anybody not believe me? Because I got more scripture. Last week I asked you if you wanted to argue. This week I'm just going to tell you I got more scripture. Felt a little convicted after I asked you if you wanted to argue. It sounded very boastful and arrogant. John chapter 20. Jesus has risen from the dead. Then he appears to them. And he says, it says the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. So we got scared, afraid, Jesus followers. Locked in a room, not impacting anyone. Trying to stay alive, okay? Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. By the way, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time Jesus appeared to all of them after he had resurrected. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and the side. Hey, it's me. <laughs> See these wounds? It's me. It's me. It's really Jesus. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them. Breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. There's some cool things going on here. John chapter 20, he breathes on the disciples the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit that day right then. The Holy Spirit had been super active in their lives of getting them in the right places in the right time, getting them to Jesus and all that. I'm talking about this is when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. He breathed it on them. But they were still scared, and they still didn't have their purpose. They had the Holy Spirit. But they didn't have the power. How do I know that? Because the very next chapter, chapter 21, Peter went back to fishing. And Jesus had to appear again to him with a miracle. Very similar to the first one with fishing. So if he received the power, why wasn't he out there using the power? He received the Holy Spirit, the first dose, and he went back to fishing because he was a scared believer. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Do you see the difference between those two? Two separate scenarios. John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit, dose number one. That's the first time they'd seen him risen from the dead, the first time they truly believed he was the Messiah. They knew he was a good person. He did a lot of cool things, but he had died. This is the first time they saw him resurrected. It's the first time they could believe he had died, was, was buried, and was raised. Okay, remember Ephesians 1.13, when we believe, we receive the Holy Spirit. This was the first time the disciples would have believed. This is the first time they saw him alive, resurrected. Now they believed, and he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Same dose we get in number one. Then later, 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 not at the same time, later, he tells them a time is coming when they will receive more power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Two different situations. He appears to them for the first time, says, now you believe because you can see me breathe on you, Holy Spirit. But I'm going to come back again and give you more power and more Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? Just like we got two different water baptisms, you can't argue that now. You can't argue there's two different instances of getting different levels of the Holy Spirit with the disciples. That leads us to Acts chapter 2 that we covered last week, which is Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from, so, hey, this is still the scared believers, right? They're still meeting together in one place. 
Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house they were, where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Scenario one says Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. They were still timid, scared, hiding believers, impacting no one. Scenario two says the Holy Spirit fills the room, two different instances. And this time it's like a windstorm and it gives them power. And from this point forward, they become bold. They become healers. They start performing miracles and they're released to their mission, to their purpose. Do you see the difference you can believe and receive the Holy Spirit and sit in your house and do nothing for the kingdom of God, but you got the Holy Spirit, but you ain't got no power because you're still scared. Or you can take this dump truck load of the Holy Spirit and you can make a difference in everyone's life you touch. Which do you want? Are you okay sitting at home scared? Most of us are. See, when they, get, when they receive the power of the Holy Spirit, that's when they went out. It's black and white. There's no gray area here. Oh, I believe in you, Jesus, because I see you standing in front of me with the wounds. Whew. Holy Spirit. I'm sitting in the room, scared still, with the Holy Spirit. Whew. Power comes in. I don't know how else to explain that. And we keep hearing this word power. So let's dig into that word a little bit more. In Acts 1-8, it says, but you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Anybody know what the Greek word is there? I already gave it out once today. Dunamis. Spelled D-Y-N like Dinah. That's where we get the word dynamite. Dunam what does dynamite do? Okay. Would you want, if you're going to blow up a mountain, would you want one stick of dynamite or a truckload of dynamite? Let's put this word in perspective. It's used many times in the New Testament, but I'm going to give you one example. Mark 5, verse 30. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. This is the story where the woman is bleeding, and she's been bleeding for years. She's just trying to get close enough to touch the tassels on Jesus' robe, and when she does, she is healed because of her faith. And it says, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my robe? Guess what? When it says the healing power had gone out, can anyone guess what word they use? Dunamis. Dude. <laughs> so when Jesus sent out healing power into the woman, it was dunamis. And Jesus says, You'll receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes on you. See, you can sit at home all day, believe in Jesus, have a Holy Spirit all in you. But do you want the power to heal? Do you want the power to cast out demons? Jesus can do all that stuff. God can do all that stuff. He used a donkey to talk in the Old Testament. He can do it without you having the truckload of power. But if you got the truckload of power, you got access to it all the time. Now, we're going to get into next week why some people can heal and some people can do other things, okay? you got to wait till next week for that. Oh, i got to convince you it's there first. It's there. i got to make sure everybody's convinced, Lonnie. Same word, dunamis. Healing power that came out of the Jesus to heal the woman is the same power you receive when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So my appeal to you again is, do you settle for dose number one? You believe, you have salvation, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and you can do some cool things. Or you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit and have the power to do miracles, signs, and wonders. And this is a promise from Jesus. This isn't just about Paul giving these scriptures. This is a promise from Jesus. In Luke 11 Verse 10, Jesus says, for everyone who asks, receives. All you have to do is ask. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. 
And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus didn't say, if you sit at home, sort of convinced, but a little bit scared, it's kind of weird, doubting it, that you'll get it. He said, you got to ask, you got to seek, you got to find. What would you do if I told you there was a piece of gold sitting out there in that field? You would go seek it. You would go find it. You might even fight each other for it. I know John would. But Jesus says to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So you believed you got it. But you got to ask for the power. Do you understand me? If you can read things like what I've just described, and you can read scriptures like John 14 where Jesus says, anyone who believes in me, anyone will do the same and greater things. If you can read those promises and not believe that you have the power to do miracles, to heal, that that power is available to you today, you've chosen to believe a lie straight from hell from Satan. That is a fact. If you are doubting what Scripture says right now, you are believing a lie from Satan. So maybe the first thing you need to do is say, I rebuke a lie in Jesus' name that I can't get that power. I rebuke a lie in Jesus' name that power is not available. There's not one Scripture that says it stopped. I was told one time there is a Scripture that says this stopped. And I said, where? Well, I don't know, but my pastor has told me that for many years. That's sad. And it's dangerous. So this is pretty black and white. I got one little gray area around dose number two, but it's pretty black and white, and it's, cr it's crucial. We have to understand this to move forward. So let's move forward. Who wants to talk about speaking in tongues? Some people just got real nervous. <laughs> the evidence. This is where we're going to dig into extreme two a little bit deeper. In Acts chapter 10, Peter knew the Gentiles could receive Jesus. Again, remember, Jesus is for Jews. But Peter shows up and sees them speaking in tongues and says they're speaking in tongues. That's evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, they have accepted Jesus. He did a little deductive reasoning. He didn't walk up and say, do you believe? He said, they're speaking in tongues. They have to believe. I don't need to ask the question. It's common sense. He knew they'd receive the Holy Spirit because the tongues they were speaking in was the evidence of them receiving the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow, they're speaking in tongues. I thought Jews, Jesus was for the Jews, but obviously it's for them because they have the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues, and immediately he recognized that Jesus was for them too. So extreme two is correct that speaking in tongues does show evidence of the Holy Spirit. However, it's incorrect in saying you don't have the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues. You can believe, receive the Holy Spirit, never get the power, and never speak in tongues. Okay? Extreme one is correct that all, they got all they needed in salvation. I got all I needed. I got Jesus. I got the Holy Spirit in me. But it's extremely incomplete to say there's no more power. It's, it's false. It's wrong to say there's no more power available to us. In Mark 16, Jesus said in verse 15, And then he, meaning Jesus, told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And that's where extreme one stops. Well, here's our middle ground. These miraculous signs that I've been doing will accompany those who believe. Not those who believe that are standing here today. Not those who believe for the next 20 years. Not those who believe for the first century. Those who believe will have these miraculous signs. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. So if you want to tell me speaking in tongues isn't for real, you just argue with Jesus Christ, the man you call your Lord and Savior, and I won't stand for it. Because Jesus' words mean everything, and he told us it will happen. He said you will have the power to do greater things than him. What does that even mean? I can't wait to find out. 
Maybe one of us has got to die and be resurrected. I don't know. That was a joke. It was a joke. Can I tell you all a funny story real quick? So ah, I got to be careful. It's counseling. And I haven't asked, okay, I was counseling a man, and he works for the morgue. <laughs> and John said, hey, I'm retiring. And How are we going to raise people from the dead if we don't practice? That's faith. That's a man that understands he has the power and he wants to use it. So I finished up counseling one day with a guy, and I was like, I got a strange question to ask you. How would you feel about a couple people tagging along with you and trying to raise the dead at the morgue? I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I, will, I was going to go with you. I may have been still over going, to, but we were going to try. Yeah. Where am I here? Miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. So if you don't believe you can get the power, you'll never have it. Send your truck driver over to my house. I'll take your entire load. Acts 2.4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I have said that scripture about ten times in two weeks. So when Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit onto them in John 20, they believed they didn't speak in tongues, but they had the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, they received the power of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. So here's the statement that I'm going to make to marry up extreme one and two, okay? Speaking in tongues is not evidence of the Holy Spirit. It's evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? Do I need to say it again? Speaking in tongues, <laughs> it's interactive. Speaking in tongues is not the evidence of the Holy Spirit. It's the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's even more better. That was Cajun. That's more better. I love it when the people in the audience are a week ahead of me. We're about to go there literally on this page. Thank you, son. Makes me feel good. My son is already ahead. This is the middle ground we're trying to achieve. The middle ground between the extremes is you got the Holy Spirit when you believe. The evidence of tongues is the power. It's the evidence of the power. So we're just digging in a little bit to the discussion of what it means to speak in tongues. We're going to dig into that deeper next week. Literally where I was. Biblically, there are different types and examples of speaking in tongues, okay? I'm going to give you three that I can just think of off the top of my head. One is clearly a prayer language between you and God, okay? You and God only, and you don't know what you're saying. Oh, man, you've got to give up a little bit of control. That's going to be tough for some of you fear-mongering people. Not you, that's people listening on the podcast or whatever because y'all know y'all have fear you don't know what you're saying but the holy spirit is speaking on your behalf to god that's what i'm going to call a prayer language okay then there's this example where peter uh, paul talks about getting a spiritual gift when the holy spirit has a message for the whole church so the first one is i'm just speaking to god on my behalf the second one is i have a gift of speaking in tongues to give a message and by the way, we're going to get into this next week, but if I've got a message to give you in tongues, there has to be an interpreter too. Okay? We're going to dig into all that next week, I promise. But then there's this third one where they actually spoke in another known foreign language, like Pentecost. I've been listening to people's testimonies. Because, see, I grew up in Extreme 1, so I'm having to listen online to people's ex testimonies for Extreme 2 and talk to people because I didn't experience that. And they said, I grew up. Everybody was speaking in tongues, but it was fake. I was doing it because everybody else was doing it. We're going to talk about that next week. But they said, but then this one time I went to speak, and I said something in my native English language, and that Spanish person heard it in Spanish. See, that's a tongue. 
So there's different examples, and that's where it gets really confusing. There's the prayer language you have with God. There's a spiritual gift to give encouragement to the church, to give prophecy. There is where you physically speak in a known language that is not yours. But here's the thing that's clear. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from you being willing to submit. you got to ask, but then you got to submit. That's hard for us to do. It doesn't come from you producing it. And I gave you two translations of Acts 2, 4. One said, and the, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, one said, as the Spirit gave them this utterance. Okay? The Greek word here, I'm going to really struggle with this, apophthingomhi. Okay, as close as I can get. It means to speak out. It means to speak forth. It means to pronounce. So as the Holy Spirit allowed them to speak out, as the Holy Spirit allowed them to speak forth, to pronounce, tongues are designed to go out, not stay in. Okay? It says it's not an everyday speech, not a word of everyday speech, but a word that belongs to a dignified and elevated discourse. That's big words for some of y'all. But elevated, (laughs) dignified and elevated discourse. You're having a discussion with God you don't even understand. It's a special thing the Holy Spirit gives you. It's not something you speak out every day. It's special. And I think that's the first place that some people get this wrong. They either don't think they can do it because they don't want to give up that control. There's fear. What's it going to sound like? Oh, my gosh, is it going to be real? Are people going to think? There's all this fear around it. Or they think they have copied someone else's. Anybody ever done that? Well, I, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to copy someone else's. But you've got to get your arms around. You're not the one controlling this. The Holy Spirit is the one controlling this. You've got to get out of the way. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, just a little touch into where we're going next week. Paul says, For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray. We don't know what to pray for, as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. All right, class participation. I want everyone, you have to do it. Groan. If your neighbor didn't do it, I'm calling him out. Did anybody not do it? Faith groan. Let's do it. There, okay. She booed. All right. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think of the worst thing that happened to you this week. The worst person that hurt you this week. And I want you to say, Father, and I want you to groan. Ugh! Congratulations, you just spoke in the Spirit for the first time potentially because you did what Scripture said, you groaned. You can open your eyes now. Quit thinking about that bad time this week. What does this Scripture say? It says we don't even know what to pray. When people hurt us, we don't even know what to pray. We don't know to pray for them, against them. For, well, we don't know, it says. Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. Every one of you can groan. I didn't know what you were saying. Every one of you groan. You didn't know what you were saying. But do you trust that God did? Do you trust your emotions? Do you trust yourself so much with God? Not trust yourself. Trust God so much you're trusting Him with you that you just groaned it out to Him. I'm not joking. If you just did that, you just groaned to God in a language you didn't understand. That should, could be the most powerful moment you've experienced in your life so far. Or are you going to sit there and go, no, it's stupid, man. It's just groaning. I'm giving you an example of how to do it that's so easy. Go home this week and, and get alone with God and groan to him a bunch. And let him work you into tongues. Because, see, I can't manufacture it for you. This is only the Holy Spirit can give it to you. The most asked question by people who want to receive tongues is, how do I do it? Groan. Grown to the Lord. The first time I did it, it sounded like Chewbacca was giving birth. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. 
They said, do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? Yes, I want the truckload. It's not the terms he used, but it made sense. I went up there. They laid hands on me. I felt like I was on fire. And he said, open your mouth and do something. Open my mouth. I went, Aah! And it felt good. And I felt relaxed. I told you, I'll get weird. But if you're going to try to figure this out and control it, you'll never get there. Because you're trying to control it instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to control it. Most of us hate giving up control. We hate it. But you've got to give up control of the Holy Spirit. True tongues is about allowing the Holy Spirit to offer your groanings to God. So what does it matter if you're talking in syllables you don't understand? Or if you're groaning, go groan. And I met a guy one time. i got to tell you this funny story. I met a guy one time, and he was convinced that he could teach you how to speak in tongues. Yes. He said, I said, tell me how. And he said, I'm going to say it fast, slow, then fast. Should have bought a Honda, ought to bought a Kia. Should have bought a Honda, ought to bought a Kia. Should have bought a Honda, ought to bought a Kia. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That's not what Scripture says. That's dangerous. It's laughable, but it's dangerous because you can't manufacture the Holy Spirit. But when you groaned, you don't know what you were doing. When you said that, you know you're talking about two different car companies. <laughs> don't go home with that in your mind. Tongues isn't something you make up. It's not something you manufacture. And it for dang sure is not something you're supposed to stifle or push down. It was designed, the ability, the utterance of the Holy Spirit is speaking it out. Holy Spirit gives it to you 100%. You're speaking in other languages that only the Holy Spirit understands. Only the Holy Spirit can give you. A few years ago, it's kind of my last story wrapping up before we give a little teaser for next week. A few years ago, I was watching a 60-minute special. Anybody watch 60 Minutes? Okay, I used to love 60 Minutes, but now it can be a little agenda-focused, and I'll leave it at that. But they definitely rarely cover anything to do with God, right? But they talked to Christians who prayed in the Spirit, and they sort of made fun of these Christians. And they put them in an MRI machine, and they put nodules on their head, and they monitored their brain waves. They had them speak in their native language, so for us that would be English, and they monitored their brain waves. Then they had them speak in tongues, and they monitored their brain waves. It literally changed the way their brains were reacting. It was so cool. They couldn't deny science proved speaking in tongues. The receptors that measure stress and anxiety were reduced. Hey, these parts of the brain over here were still really active, but these parts that measure stress and anxiety went down to nothing. Science proved that speaking in tongues actually brought peace to the people. As they made fun of them, they bragged on God. I thought I was going to cover all this in one week, but I realized I've got to lay this out over time because we've got to get the opportunity to allow this stuff to sink in. Because even how I'm understanding it now is different than how I understood it two or three years ago. I went back and looked at how I taught on this two years ago, and I was like, that was so incomplete because I knocked it out one Sunday and freaked some people out that never came back. But that's okay. We have to let this sink in, especially if we were never taught it or if it's different than what we were taught or it's new. There's so much information. I don't want to overwhelm you with data, but we got to understand this. Next week, we're going to talk about things like more on tongues, we're going to talk about what does it feel like to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody want to know what it feels like? Is it an emotional feeling? Or do we mistake emotions for Holy Spirit? Sometimes we mistake our natural human emotions for Holy Spirit. Does it make you speak uncontrollably in tongues and flop all over the place? Little teaser. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. We've got a lot of things to cover. Should you do it in public or in private? Is it biblical to do it in public? Guess what, guys? We've got extremes. Some people say you absolutely cannot, and some people will say you absolutely can, and I'm going to tell you it depends. 
We're going to cover that next week. Where does the Holy Spirit live in you? The Holy Spirit is in you when you believe. Where? Where does it live? It's kind of important to understand. We're going to, nope, not even in your soul. See, good guess. We assume it lives in our soul. I will get there next week. We're going to dig it deeper into why it's important to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So that by the end of today, my goal is that you see, accept, and want the power that's available to you. If you don't believe in Jesus, believe. Get your nugget. If you've never been baptized in water, let's go to the creek today. And let's get you baptized and get you dose number two. But I can't do it for you. You've got to be willing. It's also a command to be baptized by water. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit by laying on hands, come up here. I'm asking you to step out of your comfort zone today. At the end of this service, I'm just about to pray in about one minute. I'm asking you to get up and come up here. And allow us to lay hands on you. It's nothing we're doing. We're just following what Paul did. He laid hands and prayed for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then you go home and groan all you want all, day, all week long. I groaned literally to the Lord for like a week before I got a first syllable. Okay? Don't put so much pressure. Go home and use the example I just gave you. Because if you're that vulnerable with the Holy Spirit, you're giving up control. But don't, don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit if you don't want that healing miraculous power, okay? If that's too much for you, don't do it. Be facetious. Do it. So I'm going to pray. And after I get through praying, if anyone needs prayer for anything, come up here. But if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit today, do it today. Do it today. Father, thank you for the opportunity to stand in front of these people on this video, whatever, to tell people about your spirit and the power. Father, thank you that this is so black and white, that you gave us the instruction manual. Father, help us not to misconstrue what you've given to us. It's so easy to understand. And my prayer, I'm asking you for something, Father. Your word just promised us if we ask, you will give. I'm asking that everyone in here will have the hunger to want a truckload of power. That's what I'm asking you, Father. And I'm going to ask you over and over, just like the man asked for bread over and over until the, the bread maker finally opened the door and gave it. I'm going to ask, Lord, please, please, please ignite a fire in people that they want that power. Ignite a power or an excitement or a desire in them that outweighs their fear of what it's going to look like and how weird it's going to be. Show them the safety of this power. In other words, help them get out of their head knowledge and their reservations and their doubt. We bind all that up in the name of Yeshua. And Father, I thank you for the power. I thank you for showing us the balance, but we thank you for the power that we can heal through your Son, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, not because of us, but because we have faith. So I pray that you strengthen our faith for those of us who walk in this. Strengthen our faith that we would see we have more power. I have so much more power to get from you, God, and I want it from your Holy Spirit. And I'm asking for it in Jesus' name. Amen.